Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. When we're talking about your identity in Christ, and some of us struggle to understand our identity, that God actually loves us the way that he does. In a way, this reminds me of how God thinks of you and how God thinks of me. When you walked in the room today, God thinks you made the room better. Wherever you are, God's like, it's better that you're there. And this is the framework, this is the foundation of where we're going to be going today just to help us to understand that, that when God loves us like that. And uh, so we talked about the last time we were here, we used this as, as the framework of, of our conversation. It was found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses we've read and read and read, but we just kind of talked about it again. But it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And what's that reminding us of is that if you were in Christ, if you've placed your faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, God says you are a masterpiece. And that's such a beautiful thing that the God and the creator of the universe looks at you, imperfect you, and says that you're a masterpiece. That's pretty cool. We can rest on that again. Isn't that cool? And some of you are sitting there going, of course I'm a masterpiece. Have you seen me? But no, really, you're not. And so these are the starting blocks for today. Because of Christ's redemptive work, you were not just a speck on the timeline of history. You're not an accident. You were made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. You are loved by God. And so today, as we just walk a few more minutes, um, we're going to move into the natural question that comes from that knowledge. And that question is this. What does that love require of me? You're loved by God. You're created by God on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. Now, what does that love require of you? Yes, it requires something of you. Now, notice this question isn't, what does this love require of your spouse or your kids? You know, the, the, let God deal with them. I'm, I'm talking to you specifically and those of you who are online. What does God require of you as his child? Stop looking around. We're really good at that, aren't we? Well, psh, I'm glad my husband's here to hear this because he's going to get it. But what is God requiring of you? So for a moment, just forget that anyone else is here and God is speaking directly to you in this because the question isn't about them. Although God's going to deal with them, this is a question between you and God. And see, to answer this question, it can be extended into a whole, a whole massive sermon series, and I get it. But we're just going to hit on one thing. I know you're going to sit back and say, well, Mark, that's, and there's a lot of them. I get it. But since this is my one chance, I want to just share with you one thing that has really helped to shape us as a church to be able to reach so many people with the gospel of Jesus. And I want to bring you back to that. And one of the things, one of the answers to that question is found in Galatians chapter 6. And it says this. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. So when we ask the question, what does God's love require of me? A very simple answer that often gets forgotten is this. 
that we need to help others. So before you shut your brain off, before you just sit back and say, okay, you know what, this isn't for me, this isn't deep enough, just hold on a minute while we unpack this together because while this isn't deep theology, if you apply it to your life, and, and collectively we apply it to our families and we apply it to this church, this city is going to explode with the glory of God. The city can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that people are going to be like, man, what's going on in Sarnia? So here's the point today. In light of this passage, what does God's love require of me? God wants you to leverage who you are and what you have and what you have access to to help others. It's pretty simple. God wants you to leverage who you are and what you have and what you have access to to help other people. Because when this was written in the first century, I mean, if, if you've done any study about the first century, we know that there, in the first century, there wasn't any, like, a safety nets. There, there, weren't, uh, um, uh, there, weren't, there weren't pensions and there weren't the retirement plans. There weren't hospices. There weren't retirement homes. If you had a need in that particular culture, what you had to do is you had to just basically sell things. You had to go to work, get some side hustles, do whatever you need to do. But if you didn't have enough, then you had to sell things. And when that ran out, then you had to ask family. And then if family couldn't help you, because they're probably in a very similar situation, if they couldn't help you, then what you had to do next was beg because there was no community services to help you. You had to beg, and when that didn't work, you had to do the worst thing you could possibly think of. You had to either sell one of your kids or sell one of your families, one of your part of your family, or your, even yourself into slavery. If you wanted to survive, if you wanted to go forward, you had to do one of these things. And when you couldn't do this, and when it went to this, and went to this, went this, ultimately you had to just give up everything and just say, you know what? I, here I am in slavery. And so when we read this and we understand this concept, God was speaking to a group of people through this guy, Paul. And he was saying, and he understood that there were Christians in this new movement that were going to need support. Because of their faith, some of these people were going to be ostracized. Because of their faith, some of these people were going to have to, they were going to be shunned by their family. Because of their faith, they were going to lose their jobs. Because of their faith, they could lose everything and they could, all that savings and everything they had was going to be gone. And also because of God's incredible compassion for the hurting and the widows and the orphans and those who have needs. In light of all of that, in light of those needs that were there and those needs that were coming, God did something extraordinary for the world. He gave the world his church. You're not here just so you can learn stuff. You're here because God wants to mold you and shape you to bless the world. So today, I'm going to give you an easy way to apply this. Okay, super simple. And this, I love simple. I'm not a very smart person. But I'm going to give you an easy way to apply this. And again, I'm going to give you one more question. 
One more question kind of, kind of to help that will instantly, and when we do this and we ask this question, we live out this question and we don't just say it, but we actually do it. This has the power to instantly transform your marriages, instantly transform your relationship with your family, instantly transform opportunities with this community and to see God's grace go forth and his gospel go forth. It has the, it has the power to open up doors for the gospel and it's four simple words in light of this and it's this. How can I help? Now, now I, I know it's simple and you can all say this. So I want you to say it with me just for a moment. I want you to say this. How can I help? Say it. Now, profound, isn't it? Deep, right? Again, I understand this. This is going to disappoint some of you. I get it, but I don't really care. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. Please hear me in that. I mean, you're disappointed. You're anticipating something more profound. And you're probably thinking there's no way that this simple question can actually transform lives. But I dare you to try it. We challenged our church with this for a little while. We first started, just a couple of families. We started, just, we, we just challenged our church just for a little bit, just for a bit. Okay, here's the light of the gospel. This is the light of who we are as a launch team to do this. I just challenge you just for a moment to ask this question. How can I help? It just exploded within our context. I challenge you, as a husband, try this. I mean, just if you don't believe me, before you go home, when you're at home, before you turn the TV on, you would, just, would you just be willing to ask your spouse this question? It's going to blow her mind. Am I right? Wives. Well, could you imagine if you asked your husband this? But just a bit of a warning here. Don't ask your husband, how can I help when he's doing something manly? Because guys don't like that. Especially when you're trying to open something. Can I help? No, don't, don't do it then. Like pick, your, pick your battles. He's going to say no, even though he needs it because he's a stupid man. We get it. But imagine if in relationships, we weren't looking for our way and our expectations to be met, but instead said, how can I help you? Imagine kids if you did this. I say kids, high school, whatever age you are. Imagine if you did this with your parents. You're selfish. I get it. So am I. But imagine if you asked your parents this. But again, warning. Don't ask them this when they're holding something sharp or that could break because they'd be like, what? Imagine as a church that we ask this with the people sitting next to us the people who have needs in our community. Imagine just for a moment, instead of complaining about things here. I'm not saying you are. Please don't hear that. I don't know anything like that. But I just know nature of church. <laughs> Imagine instead of complaining, we go to the leadership of the church and say, you know what? How can I help? Imagine for a moment that we as a collective group of people decided that we were going to go to our neighbors and we were going to go to our community. We we're going to go to areas in our community and we were just going to go there and say this question, how can I help? And we did this in our church and I'm not saying everything exploded, but it just transformed some things. We had people who just went out into the community, into different organizations and walked in there and said, listen, how can I help? 
I'm not just going to give you money. I'm not going to just kind of do that. I'm just going to give you some cash and then walk away and say, I did my job. I'm going to actually go to these organizations and I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to say, I know you guys need help. What can I do? And neighborhoods and with neighbors, when you see a need and you hear a need, you go back and you ask that question, how can I help? It is transformative. God, how can I leverage who I am and what you've given me and what I have access to for the benefit of others? And I love how the Apostle Paul, when when he's writing this, he says, you know, he says, um, I want you to share each other's burdens and and, in this way obey the law of Christ. I love how he he speaks to people who are looking for an exemption because we all look for an exemption. We all look for a reason why we shouldn't or why I shouldn't have to help. And he says this, and I love this, and he says, if you think, okay, we're talking about helping here. We're talking about sharing other people's burdens. If you think that you're too important to help someone, I love this. You're only fooling yourself. And I, and I love the way he says this. He says, you're not that important. Like, you're not that important. Like, in our church plant, we still, uh, we, we still have this, this mentality in our church. We still do set up and take down every week. Uh, we, we still have to do that. We rent the facility. We get it. But in our leadership team and the people who are involved in leadership, everybody helps. Because we say, if you can't push a broom, you have, no, you have no responsibility here in leadership. No, I understand there's different roles within the body. I get that. But there's no one too important to help. There's no one too important to push a broom. There's no one too important to welcome. There's no one po- too important to go into the community and look for help. So we all understand that we just... We're not that important. And you may not, and I understand you're probably not thinking you're too important. I get that. But, but I also know one of the biggest reasons that you and I don't ask this question to other people. It's the reason why we don't ask is because we're afraid they're going to actually say yes. Right? Like, look, come on, let's be honest. Listen, we're all friends here, right? We're all friends. Let's be honest for a moment. Transparent. You don't want to ask for help because what if they say Yes. You want people to say, can I help? Can I pay for that? Oh, no, I'll pay for that. You want, you want, come on. You don't really want to pay. You want them to pay, but you just want to look like you were willing to pay, but you were hoping that they're still going to pay. My kids do this to me all the time. No, dad, I got it. No, honey, I'll get it. <laughs> like, whatever, right? We're afraid they're going to say yes, aren't we? You know, we're going to afraid, you know, if I say yes, if I ask this question, I'm going to be taken advantage of. If I say yes, they might monopolize my time. If I say yes, they might keep asking and asking and asking. So let's just, for a moment, let's be honest with each other. The reason why we don't ask is we really don't want to help. At least not the way that they need it. So just for a moment... Let's just call it what it is. We're selfish. The reason why we don't help, the reason why we don't get involved, the reason why we're just looking for our needs, and that's because we're just selfish people. But I love what the fruit of the Spirit says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Selfishness isn't a part of it. We're called to something bigger. We're called to something greater. 
We're called to come alongside other people. And so what we do, instead of saying, I'll help, we do other we do four other words instead of helping because we don't really want to help, but we don't, we don't, we don't want to look like we don't want to help. So we say another four words, and those four words are, I'll pray about that. Right? Like how many of us, we see a need, and we say, oh, I'll pray about that. Now, please don't hear that prayer is bad. I love prayer. I think prayer is wonderful and amazing. We need to pray. Because without prayer, nothing happens. Without prayer, things aren't moved. God's the one who moves mountains. God's the one who changes minds. God's the one who heals families. God is the one who, who, who transforms the world. We get it. It's through prayer. We understand that. But what I find within our communities is that we use prayer as an excuse. We need to pray, but we need to stop using prayer as a get-out-of-help-free card. We need to stop using prayer as an excuse for us to not get involved in a situation and say, you know, I see a big need, I see a need. Oh, I've heard about this. I'm just going to pray about that. You need to pray about that. But sooner or later, we need to ask God, God, do you want me to be the answer to that prayer? God, what can I do? Instead of saying, I'll pray about that, what, could you imagine for a moment when we just ask God a different question? Say, God, what could I do to be the answer to that prayer? To answer to that need? Because God, you have blessed me. You have given me time, energy, whatever. God, what could I use? What have you given me that I can use to meet the need of that individual today? Because you and I know that everybody carries weights. Everybody does. Some of those weights are the weight of expectations, the weights of jobs and family and hurts. Some of us carry weights because someone's irresponsibility has become our responsibility and we have to carry that. Some of our weights that we, what we struggle with are weights that people can see and others are weights that others can't see. Weights that sometimes we can handle in time and sometimes weights that just seem to overwhelm us and in some ways just we feel like we're drowning. My challenge to us today is that um, we need to stop asking God. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Christ, we need to stop asking God to bring someone else along that can meet that need so it doesn't have to be you. Instead, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to enable us to answer the prayers of the needs in front of us. It's so the reason why I'm challenging you this way and the reason why, um, it's funny, I pray for this church. And I've known about this church for a while and for the last probably 15 years or so that I've known about you, I've prayed for you. I know that sounds silly and I'm, it sounds like I'm making that up, but I'm not. This church has an opportunity to be, and it probably is, and I don't know all the details of this church, but you have an opportunity to be a regional blessing to this entire area. You have an opportunity to be an incredibly bright light in a very dark area. 
See, the reason why I'm challenging you this is because individually, I know what Matthew chapter 5, what our Lord Jesus Christ said to those that were walking with him. He says, you are the light of the world. And you here today, and those of you listening online and watching online, you are the light of the world. He says a city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And in the same way, let your light shine before others. And then he goes on to say why this is so important. He says this, so that by doing all of those things, but by letting your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other words, he's saying that if you are my follower, I want you to imitate me. I want you to model me. I I, I want you to love others the way that I have loved you. I want you to love others that are hard to love because it's hard to love you. I want you to live with character. I I want what you do and how you do it to point people towards me. I want you to live and I want you to love in such a way that people just don't think you're a nice and a generous person. I want you to live and I want you to love in such a way that you connect the dots. That you connect the dots between you and an amazing and a wonderful God that you connect the dots between actions towards a loving and gracious and holy and powerful and transforming God. I want you to walk in the light so that people make the connection connection that what God has done in you, that he wants to do the same in them. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no-